think there's something that really has shaped my perspective on failure. I mean, I honestly just don't believe in failure. I think that life is really all how you view it. It's that growth mindset that I think as a parent of four and as someone who comes from the education space, to me, growth mindset is everything for my kids and I think everything for Bitsy's and everything for innovation. This is C2C, where we cover innovation in the food and CPG business from conception to consumption. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Today, I'm excited to have as my guest Maggie Patton, who is co-founder of Bitsy's, a really interesting company in the snacking segment. Maggie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Gary. I'm excited to be here today. So let's uh, let's start, Maggie. Uh, give our listeners some of your personal background. How did you how did you get into the food and beverage business and and all the innovation that goes along with starting up a company like Bitsy's? So um, I had kind of a, a non-traditional path into food. Um, I really come more from a place of a passion around kids and trying to make a difference in the world and improve things for them. Um, my background is really nonprofit and youth development and my business partner and I worked together running a national youth organization um, where, where the mission was to engage kids in service and through that experience have them both be changed by those acts of goodness but also make an impact. Um, and in the early 2000s we created a program that was focused on childhood wellness and really looking at tackling the issue of childhood obesity. Um, at that point, neither of us were mothers yet. And, you know, we always kind of joked mothers to all children in a way, but um, surrounded by children always and working in schools. And we really saw that, you know, no one was really innovating or creating products for kids that really put all children first. Um, and from there, you know, health needs to making it fun, to making it cool, um, and to really bear in mind also the realities of parenting um, from price to convenience and all the rest. So that was really what we set out to do with Bitsy's was kind of try to tackle this space of kids and um, bring innovation where we didn't see any. That's terrific. It sounds it sounds like you started with a, with a mission. So, tell us now about the company Bitsy's, and you know what is the company's mission and strategy, and you know what do you see differentiating you in the market? Yes. Well, I mean, we continue to grow and evolve, and I think you know one of the things coming from the nonprofit space, um, I would say, you know, getting into the world of CPG was very new for us. Um, so there have been a lot of iterations and evolutions and growth and learnings along the way, I think just in terms of how this space works and even just producing food um, and selling it. And um, But our mission has always really stayed the same in terms of creating great, clean food for kids um, and for families. So um, we have really, really, I think, learned during the course of this. And, and honestly, I think that the, the food space has changed a lot just since we started on this journey and just over the last, you know, decade um, in terms of access and I think openness to innovation in conventional grocery. Um, 
versus I think when we first got into the space, you know, you really, it was like, if you were going to bring something new to the world, you had to go into the natural um, path and really focus on the small independent stores that would be open to bringing something new in. Um, and I think, you know, times are changing in so many ways. And um, I think the world is kind of done overlooking the majority population of people that also deserve access to great clean food. And um, now there's kind of this opportunity to innovate and create and bring food to the masses. That's that meets the standards of excellence that everyone deserves. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a great mission. So, but you are in a crowded sector, uh, kids food and snack food, very crowded space. So, when when you're dealing with competitors and trying to get into stores and nationwide chains and dealing with all the uh, competitive issues around shelf space, uh, how do you, how do you carve out a, a niche for yourself? Um, I think that people um, see integrity in brands, and they see they see that purpose behind the brand. And I think more and more that's becoming kind of clear where um, today's mom, you know, wants to know the authenticity and wants to be able to trust the brand that they're bringing into their home. Um, And I think that our story and our products really um, bring that, bring that integrity, bring that authenticity to life. Um, I think we also offer a value proposition around nutrition and being allergen friendly that most other brands don't um, bring to bear. So I think because, you know, I have four kids, my my business partners both have multiple children. Um, Like I said, we've spent our whole career working with kids. Um, I just think that we have an authenticity in, in our creation of the food that comes through with meeting the needs of today's family in unique ways. Yeah, authenticity is big these days. And so why don't you just describe your products and your product line as it, as it currently is to, to yeah. our listeners so they know what's out there for a bit. Yes, well, and, and, and it'll be very exciting. We have a lot of new products that are going to be launching soon this summer. So we, we've really been in a time of looking really um, deeply at our products and how can we make them more accessible and more affordable Um so we've been doing a lot of recreation and innovation there to really, really focus on price um, while keeping our ingredients incredibly clean and simple. Um, right now on the market, we have a line of crackers um, and a line of cookies. They both are baked with vegetables inside. They're organic. They're non-GMO. They're peanut-free, tree-nut-free. Um, and they both are incredibly playful and creative. So our, our cookies actually have positive messages stamped on each cookie that were created by kids around the country, really with the idea of like what's a, what it would be a phrase that would lift you up in your day or that you'd want to share with someone else. So great expressions on them like never give up or anything is possible and kind is cool, kind of all the goodness that we want to be putting out there. Um, and our crackers are made in really fun, creative shapes that you can build with and create um, different kind of spatial puzzles based on tangrams, which is a, an educational tool used to teach math. So we try to be incredibly creative at our products and make them engaging and kind of say, you know, no mindless, no mindless eating, just be able to be fun and playful with your food. 
So you put the veggies in the crackers and the cookies. It's the age-old battle, eat your veggies. Uh, what veggies did you put in there? So we have um, a lot of different vegetables baked in, um, sweet potatoes, carrots, um, beets, um, the different flavor varieties have different vegetables in them. And um, it's kind of, you know, I think one of the questions we we always say to ourselves is, you know, we don't want to... We don't want to sneak things in on kids. So we've always marketed the vegetables in a pretty straightforward way with that idea that kids, kids actually, most kids want to do the right thing. And if, if they find out that it tastes good in the snack that they're eating, maybe they're going to be more likely to try it at the dinner table too. Um, it's often, I mean, kids are not born with negative dispositions on things. They're, it's often the adults that, you know, by saying eat your broccoli and making it this thing that seems like, oh, you're not going to like to eat it. You know, we end up putting these impressions on our kids with things. And the, and the kids, they like the taste. They like the flavors of the snacks and the cookies. They do. Um, they love them. And I, I would say not just the kids. We see adults um, gobbling them up all the time, too. And I think that was one of our very big things from the very beginning um, that we felt like, you know, the baby space when we were first starting was kind of exploding and a lot of innovation was happening at that time with pouches and new brands emerging. But we always felt like a lot of the toddler food, you know, was kind of the only food that was somewhat branching over into that kid space. And none of it tasted great to us, you know, and I think taste, I mean, taste is everything. And most of us don't have pantries where we can afford to, you know, have a section for every member of the family. Uh, you know, for in my house, if what I'm buying for my kids is not something that my husband and I are going to eat, then, you know, we're out of luck because we're going to shop for our kids first. And um, we want it to taste good enough for all of us to eat it. And Frankly, it's got to taste great for to compete with the other things that kids are exposed to by the time they're headed off into elementary school. So, mm. so, so let's let's talk a little bit about your journey. Uh, you have partnered with actress and author Gabrielle Union. Um, certainly not the first time that uh, an entrepreneur or an innovative product in the food and CPG space has partnered with a celebrity, although it's it's not done all that often. So, uh, you know, tell us about your journey and how this partnership has worked out for Bitsy's. Yes, well, we're so, um, so excited about what we're building together with Gabrielle. And I think, you know, one of the really unique things about our coming together that I think is perhaps different than other examples um, is I think that in our hearts, um, the three of us, Alex and Gabrielle and myself all come from a very similar shared purpose in life. And really, I think being driven by this desire to do good in the world. Um, while Gabrielle is an amazing actress and author, I think of her very much as an activist and a change maker and someone who you know, is, is a friend and very aware of um, making her mark on the world and making a difference in the lives of others. Um, and I think Alex and I, that always was the beginning of our friendship and nonprofit and has always been our defining purpose. So I think the three of us together are 
our kind of guiding light in this is really that all humans deserve great food and it needs to be accessible, affordable and taste amazing. Um, and that's really what we're building together. Um, and Gabrielle and her family you know, were fans of the brand and eating the food. And um, I think, you know, she really was the one that saw this kind of lack of access um, in terms of availability. And that's what we're really redefining together um, is how can we change the change the picture here um, in terms of great food, not just being available for those that have the pocketbook size to shop at premium groceries, but how can we make premium products at a non-premium price, you know, um, and get this into the hands of everyone? And you, you mentioned uh, how recently you've been continuing to work on that equation, trying to balance innovation with price. Uh, without giving away any secrets, uh, you know, where where have you focused or needed to focus? It is, is it on the ingredients? Is it on the suppliers? Is it on co-packers? Is it on packaging? What what can you share with our listeners, Maggie? Um, I think one of the biggest things, and while I can't share where um, this is going to be yet, I think one of the biggest pieces of the equation here is the retail partner um, and coming up with a plan together where you know, where you're all in it together and have, again, that shared are aligned around a shared purpose um, and shared values. And I think we've found a retail partner that wants to do that with us. And that has really allowed us to focus on focus on the ingredients and focus on the changes that we need to make where we can shift some costs and um, maybe where you know, one, a, a different choice is still as nutritionally impactful, but, um, you know, we can, we can lower the cost, um, by making a slight tweak or, here or there. Um, but I mean, I think the biggest thing is it kind of takes everyone. And I, I would say we're launching a number of new products and in our conversations with manufacturers too, they really have to be bought in on this mission. Um, and I think not, not just, for us to hit the price point together, but for us to have a manufacturer that's willing to do this with us and is exciting, excited to do it with us. Because I mean, getting, getting line time and getting manufacturers on board with new products and getting those into their schedule during this time of COVID is incredibly challenging. So, Mm. you know, they have to be, they have to be invested and, um, I think that's part of what's allowing us to get there is that the people that are partnering with us have had to make that choice that they want to be a part of this because doing, doing good means something to them. Mm. And it's, it's, it sounds like you got some exciting things in the work, uh, in the works with uh, specific retailers, but probably not quite ready to announce that yet. Is that right? Yes, not yet, but I will be excited to share that or, you know, if, people follow along with our social media after listening to this, you'll, you'll get to see the exciting news when it, when it surfaces. <laughs> All right. And I guess we can refer them to bitsies.com, B-I-T-S-Y apostrophe S. Um, so I'm here with Maggie Patton, co-founder of Bitsies. Um, you know, Maggie, these, uh, these journeys always have lots of peaks and valleys. Um, looking back, uh, over the process, what, what are some things that you can share with our listeners tips on things that you might've done differently? 
Um, I think there's probably two different categories that are so in, you know, woven together. Um, the things that I would have done differently in terms of business decisions, and then the things that I would have done differently in terms of balancing my own like life journey with being immersed in a startup um, and being a mother and all that. And honestly, the ones, the things that I would have done differently in terms of the personal piece are the ones that stick with me <laughs> so much more, um, which I don't know if that's just kind of how I'm wired, but I think, you know, on um, a personal note, I saw something that a really dear friend, Jeff Hillmeyer, who um, is an entrepreneur more in the tech and marketing space, um, said the other day, and he's a dad of five. And I saw him say a quote that said, you know, things changed for him when he stopped saying, I don't have time versus I haven't made the time. And I think that really stuck with me just in terms of motherhood and um, moments along the journey and I mean, certain years even where I kind of do have some regret, you know, um, in terms of life balance or where I could have made some different choices to make more time for certain things or had said no to some things and just found a little bit more balance. Um, and I think business wise, probably, um, one of my big pieces of advice is contracts. Um, I think there have been moments where I wish that I had known to get it in writing early on or to set up a contract that was, you know, more protective of us. I think it's really, really tough, um, with a startup because, you know, in, in many ways you're often begging someone to take you on as you're just, you know, getting going. There's no proof in the pudding yet and there's no track record and there's no, you know, revenue history. So it's like, well, will you please make this product for us? And you feel a little bit like the beggars can't be choosers kind of thing, or it's, you know, harder to feel like you can advocate for yourself or say, this is what I need or easy for a manufacturer to say, no, you know, we're not going to do a contract. Um, and I mean, I, I just think that's something where I mean, it, it, you want to be able to trust everyone's integrity. Um, but I think, you know, unfortunately, it just doesn't always work out that way. So I would say we've had some hard moments with that um, along the journey where I had wished we had it in writing. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and then flip side, we've had some people who when things have gone wrong, they have really met us in the middle and said, you know what, we don't want this to, to do you in, you know, so um, you m meet all types of people in the journey, you know, mm. Mm. it sounds like, it sounds like if you had to do it over again, there might've been some times where you, instead of just saying, yes, you might've taken a deep breath and said, sorry, we can't do that. I think so, you know, or I, I would have said, I, I think, and you know, you don't know what you don't know when you're starting out, but, um, probably looking at like, okay, if this, if this doesn't work out exactly the way that we want it to, or, you know, just even looking at like, let's say, I mean, this is getting very granular, but I'm imagining some people listening to this probably are in as in the weeds as I am. Um, 
but even like ingredient buying, you know, protecting yourself some where, okay, if you're, if you're running a large scale run and you're advanced buying ingredients, um, making sure you have some protection around how those ingredients are being purchased and stored. And what if the manufacturer, how do you know that they're, you know, doing the right thing by using those ingredients and going through them in a timely manner and, you know, not getting stuck with charges or things like that. I think it's just the devil's always in the detail and it it can come back to bite you in so many ways. So, I mean, I think fortunately we have a really, really great operations team um, who are actually my brother-in-law and sister-in-law who are amazing and they are so immersed in those details. Um, But I think just, you know, it's a very in the weeds kind of business and you have to have people on your team that um, are all over all these things that mm-hmm. can pop up. So, yeah. Sweat the details. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's pivot to innovation, you know, uh, for a company like Bitsy's, you're certainly very much in the innovation business. So um, when you think about innovation and when you think about innovators, Maggie, um, you know, what are the mindsets or, or, or qualities or attributes or talents that, that you see in top innovators that you admire? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I go immediately to, I think, of course, creativity and idea people. Just, I mean, I love creative people and always really have. And I think um, having ideas and optimism and um, vision and I think seeing opportunities um, seeing you know things in a unique way seeing an opportunity where others see a challenge I mean I think that's kind of a great sign of uh, an interesting innovator um, I also think innovators that I admire um, and things that I try to emulate I think the, the self-discipline um, and kind of focus um, is probably one of the key things that maybe, you know, you can be an idea person and have a million ideas, but to have the self-discipline to get it done and make the sacrifices and stick with it, um, the persistence um, and being action-oriented, doing it, you know? I mean, I think it's it's the whole thing of like taking a dream and making it a reality, um, rolling up your sleeves and doing the work. Um, cause I mean, I think that's at the end of the day, what it comes down to is it's all a lot of work. Like, are you willing to do the work and invest the time? I mean, you can have all the ideas in the world, but you've got to be in it <laughs> and mm-hmm. willing to roll up your sleeves. With, uh, with innovation, uh, hopefully over time success comes, but there's also certainly a lot of failure involved with innovation. Can you share any personal stories? Not to give, not to give anything, uh, you know, confidential away, but can you share any personal stories on, uh, on, on both sides of the, uh, innovation, success and failure coin? Yeah. And, you know, and I'll, I'll also just share, I, I, think there's something that really has shaped my perspective on failure. I mean, I honestly just don't believe in failure. I think that life is really all how you view it. Um, It's that growth mindset that I think as a parent of four and as someone who comes from the education space, to me, 
growth mindset is everything for my kids and I think everything for Bitsies and everything for innovation. You know, um, I grew up with a dad who was also kind of an entrepreneur and innovator, um, really in energy efficiency in the 1980s before anyone was talking about that. Um, and he was an electrical engineer and he actually had this great poster over his desk that I always refer to, but it shaped me so much as a child in terms of ideas and failure. Um, it was a picture of light bulbs, of course, because him being an electrical engineer. And the first light bulb says underneath it, the caption, I have an idea. The next one, the light bulb gets dimmer and it basically goes through the course of all the things that people say to ideas, you know, a little too radical. We've tried something like that before, you know, and the, the idea gets dimmer and dimmer until it's darkness. And um, that just really shaped me, I think, um, as a kid, because it was what I always saw behind his desk. And I think, you know, we've had some moments, I mean, I, to, the, to the ingredient point and someone really meeting us, um, we, we innovated in c- the cereal space. Um, you know, I guess to some, they could say that that cereal didn't work out. Um, but, you know, it, we learned a lot from it. And I have to say the relationship that we had with that manufacturer um, is what has led us to create one of the new products that I'm most excited about our launching now. Um, and I think it might end up being our number one product that we've ever done. So, you know, it's all, um, success and what is, I guess, considered failures. I mean, I think they're all just going to happen. And I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I definitely am one of those people that I feel like you've got to wake up in the morning and face the day and do your best and, go after happiness and purpose and um, whatever's going to happen along that day. I mean, if you're doing those things, if you're going after giving your best and going after purpose and you're rolling up your sleeves, I mean, you cannot look at yourself with judgment or with failure because giving your best is, is never a failure. So yeah. Yeah. Good advice. Uh, you know, the old saying, there's two things that can happen, uh, you know, success or an opportunity to learn and grow. Right. So it sounds <laughs> exactly. like you've you've adopted that mentality. Um, so, let you know, lots of food and CPG companies, Maggie, are, are struggling to bring new products to market faster. Mm-hmm. Um when you look, uh, obviously, you got a lot of things that you're working on. When you look at innovation, getting new products onto the shelf faster, what are some of the biggest speed bumps and challenges that 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 you see coming up? Um, well, I think there's a lot of uh, manufacturing time and money dedicated to very subpar products that continue to be aggressively marketed to people. So, I mean, honestly, I think some of it is like the resources to, to get it made and the money going into frankly crap food, (laughs) you know, um, that is aggressively marketed, particularly to lower income communities. Um, it's, I mean, it's honestly, in my mind, it's just shameful. And I think it's just, we, we've got to get away from putting things that we know are not good for people out there as the priority because they make a fast nickel, you know? And, um, 
Yeah. So I just, I think getting line time with innovation and, um, when it, during this window of COVID again, where people have really returned to a lot of old comfort brands, um, and gone away from, I think some of the new innovation, I think a, a lot of, I know a lot of startups, including us have really struggled during, during this time in terms of the retailers not being able to, you know, go in and sample your new products or show them to people because they're not actually shopping in the stores. And, you know, if you're doing your grocery shopping digitally, um, you probably are typing in those things that, you know, you've seen a thousand times. So, um, it's, it's really tough, but yeah, I think, I think just the, the partnership with the manufacturers and retailers, um, leaning in to say, you know what, we want to prioritize this. We want to figure out a way to give this some premium shelf space and get it in front of people's eyes versus on the side and in the corner. It takes, it takes everyone coming together. Or it's just never going to work. Mm. You've mentioned line time uh, a number of times. One of our guests on this show previously was Barry uh, Nailbuff, who is the co-founder of Honest Tea, and he and his partner wrote a book, Mission in a Bottle. Yes. And, and they devoted a whole chapter or more to the whole co-packer uh, you know, uh, challenges. Uh, and he, he said one of the mistakes they really made – well, they made a couple of mistakes. At one point, they – they bought a f- facility, and, and uh, in retrospect, they probably wouldn't have gone about it that way. But another mistake he made is he felt they neg- they tried to negotiate too hard with co-packers and that if they had gone to a co-packer and said, look, I want you to make money and I want to you know guarantee you commitment levels on – you know, what we will spend with you and your profit levels and things like that. He wished he had taken that approach as opposed to an mm-hmm. adversarial approach. Mm-hmm. Any any comments you have on that, Maggie? Oh, yeah. I mean, I we've never taken an adversarial approach with anyone, I would say. And I don't know, you know, it's probably our nature because, uh, again, coming from I mean, I came up in the nonprofit space, so you you know you have to remember that I'm actually a fundraiser and a favor asker <laughs> by training. So, um, if anything, I mean, I think mine. I love that book, and I Seth, his business partner, has been really kind to us and to me personally through the years with offering advice and just rooting for us. Um, so, I really, I really value those thoughts a lot. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I am not really wired that way (laughs) adversarially I guess so if anything I mean for me sometimes it's mine is the opposite where I think I'm like am I not being tough enough or something (laughs) you know but I'm always hoping that people see the good and um that they want to be a part of it you know and I and I do believe in that I mean I I think I always say and we talk about this a lot at Bitsy's um but the 99% rule is like 99% of people are actually good people and you've got to kind of find that path of connecting together. Hmm. So um, I know I know you got some things cooking that are exciting at Bitsy's, uh, and I know some of that you can't share with our listeners. But in general, what can you share with our listeners on you know what's next for you personally and what's next for Bitsy's? Yes. Well. Um, we have been really with Gabrielle and myself and Alex looking at kind of the food that 
excites all of us to eat and that we really need and need with our families. Um, what are the things that we think are missing out there from convenience um, to affordability and I think taste. Um, we really, really, really have been having a lot of conversations around taste and um, different communities and their different thoughts on taste and health food kind of having been healthy food, having been sort of positioned in a way um, over the years as like white people food almost, you know, and we're trying to get away from that. So we're trying to create a brand that's much more of a brand that speaks to everyone from a flavor standpoint and from a price standpoint and from um, a branding standpoint. Um, it's just a more inclusive and accessible um portfolio of products. So um, that's that's mm. been kind of the big conversation. And I think, you know, also looking at um, the changing, I think, ways that people have been eating and shopping too. Um, so that, I think, again, having been through COVID with four kids and a startup and my husband working from home and all of us here, I think, you know, we've just all been really immersed in the realities of busyness and convenience and snacking all the time. And also back to just like, there's never been a time, I think, where you've more wanted to um, armor your kids with nutrition, you know, and get that protective immunity ingredients in there, make sure they're eating well, you know, um, when they're raining the pantry every five, five <laughs> seconds, like, are they getting the good things in? Um, when I think during COVID, you can sometimes feel like you've lost control. But um, yeah, so we've been really looking at all of those different things. And then, like I said, too, just really um, leaning in with our retail partners and those conversations around how can we um, reach more people with good food and prioritize that. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned taste. You you know, there's we we all read the reports on consumer trends, changing habits, millennials, Generation Z looking more and more for attributes like sustainability or mm -hmm. transparency or organic or what have you. But the, it, it always seems to, the top three never get dislodged, taste, price, and convenience. And is that still what you're finding at Bitsy's? Absolutely. I think we always say that taste and price rule the world. And, um, you know, it's, it's tough, I think, for small businesses um, to get there with the price. Um, and I, I definitely find it promising to see more larger CPG companies that are looking at companies of our size at earlier stages to help um, get to those prices. Um, one of the things that I've just noticed through the years, and it's kind of one of those things that, you know, you feel like from an integrity standpoint, you should be walking with a blindfold on, but it's impossible not to notice, I think, when you're manufacturing your food to see what a large company is able to buy in terms of their ingredients, where you see several pallets of something, and then you're making your product, and there's your three little bags. And I think that that power of scale, um, when it comes to ingredients and price, um, is just something that makes it really hard for a lot of small brands to compete and to get there. Um, so I, I have always felt like, you know, it's to 
we're kind of trying to break a cycle in terms of products that are not as good for us all being heavily marketed to us all. Um, and so that desire to want to do the right thing and kind of shift the tide there has to, I think, be a very collaborative effort in terms of the the big CPGs that have the strength and have the power, having interest in helping smaller companies maybe with ingredients sourcing and with scale and with price, um, along with, you know, the retailers being willing to maybe say, you know what? I want to. I want this product to succeed. I want it to be selected off the shelf, even though that other product that I know is not good for my consumers that are in my my shoppers that come into my store is going to undercut the price by a dollar. How can I help this smaller brand that's doing the right thing? That's you know trying to get better products to the masses, get to a price where it's going to come off of my shelf. Um, and you know, it's, and that's why I just feel like it's like, you can't, no matter what, and you can't, you can't just be an optimist and hope that it's going to all work out. I mean, it's really, you've got to get everyone somehow leaning in together to try to get to these, to get to those price points so that these products succeed. Otherwise, I mean, you're just really, and we've been there. I mean, you're just climbing an uphill mountain. It doesn't matter how good you taste. If if it's always going to be next to something that's two dollars cheaper, you're fighting an impossible battle. Mm-hmm. So, Maggie, since this podcast is all about innovation, I always ask each guest the the same question, which is, what advice would you give to two different sets of folks? First, uh, innovators already in the food or CPG space. And then second, new new people, new folks just starting their career in this space. What what advice would you give, Maggie, to these two sets of, of people? Um, I think innovators that are already in the space, my advice comes from the fact that I think one of the qualities of entrepreneurs is that we're competitive. You know, we've got a drive inside of all of us and um You've got you've got to have that competitive nature, I think, a bit, and want to compete at shelf and want your product to win. And so, I think for other innovators, I think we have to collaborate and um, you know look at coming together sometimes too. I mean, I think sometimes people are so in love with their brand or what they're creating, where if you know you can bring things together and get a little more critical mass, things that are doing people that are doing similar things, come together with your resources, come together and get some critical mass to actually like succeed. Um, I think that would be a great thing to see happening. Um, And the other, I think for individuals that are just getting started in the space, um, I think really like making sure that you know, you're doing something where there is the clear need and the opportunity um, and that you, uh, you know, are going in with your eyes wide open. Um, I think it's just a very, very tough um, space to be in. And, you know, and it's extremely expensive. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) So, I mean, I think that's one of the things that I just – 
it does kill me sometimes just to see, you know, you just always hate seeing things shut down. And I think during COVID, I've seen too much of that. And it's, it's tough. So I mean, I think, you know, you've got to go in with your eyes open. I mean, I, Mm. I don't know, it's, you're going to make a lot of sacrifices. And I don't want to be discouraging. I mean, but I think it's, you know, you want to go in ready, knowing it's going to cost a lot of money. And knowing that it's going to be in most instances, a marathon, um, not a sprint. So are you willing to dedicate the next 10 years of your life to this, like the Mm -hmm. next 20 years of your life, you know, like that's, I think, I think a lot of times optimists and entrepreneurs, we go into things and think I can get this all there in three years. And it's just like the reality when you really look at most companies, it's so rarely happens that way. So that persistent mindset, um, and being all in and getting, getting people who are all in with you, you know, like getting a great partner, um, getting great partners so that you can carry it together and support each other through it. Um, I think that's really key. Lots of good nuggets there. Uh, Maggie, before we go into wrap up, any other comments or words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? Let's just all keep trying to make better products for more people um, and work together. You know, I mean, we're, we're excited. We love meeting other entrepreneurs and other people in this space. And I love the community. I feel like, you know, just have met so many amazing, wonderful, genuine, supportive people who are working in this food space. And, um, I'm just really grateful for all of those people that are in it and that I've had the opportunity um, to be able to work alongside so many different people in, in so many different um, oppor- so many different spaces in this, whether it's you know standing on the bakery line or working to raise capital or you know going into a retailer meeting. I mean, you really get to interact with so many different people in this journey, and I think it's you know we have to all keep keep coming together and trying to give people the best food that we can. And, and along with that, if we, if, if there are innovators listening to this episode, what's the best way for them to reach out and get in touch with you, Maggie? Um, probably our website or on Instagram. Um, Bitsy's our, our social media channel on, on Instagram or Facebook. Um, that's always a great way to get in touch for us. Um, or through in, info at bitsies.com is also a great way. Terrific. I want to thank my guest today, Maggie Patton, who is co-founder of Bitsies, a very interesting company focused on children's snack foods. Uh, Maggie, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Gary. I really enjoyed it. And thanks for all you do to educate the community and support all of these all of our brands. Thanks for listening to C2C, where we cover innovation in the food and CPG business from conception to consumption. Just type the letters C-T-O-C, no spaces, to find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbeam, and Google Play.